Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. I'm not an expert in anything after the football season because you know what? I care about opening day. I go watch a lot of baseball. Time to relax. Time to get away. And I love my job. Absolutely love my job. But I don't want to do it 12 months a year. And I, I just, I don't know that America is crying out on February 26th to see Birmingham against Provo. Or I don't even know the teams in the league. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Thank you, Peter. Um, Liz is here today. Jeannie is here today. We have plenty of things to talk about. They are off the sports beat to a degree. I hold in my hand... Ladies, something called plexiderm. Do you know what plexiderm is? No. no. Okay. Will Plexi- it make me look younger? Yes. Okay. Will it fix my eyes? Yes. Plexiderm, if you have 70-plus-year-old eyes, you have tremendous bags under your eyes, unless you've done the smart thing and had surgery. And I pretty much look like a raccoon. So Bonnie, of course, <laughs> Bonnie went out and got plexiderm. Plexiderm, was they began to advertise it about three or four years ago. You take an old man, you rub it under his eyes, you oh, wait yeah, 10 I've minutes. Seen those. You wait 10 minutes and it works. Now the problem, Is this OTC? Huh? Is this OTC? Over the counter? Yes. Yeah, the problem with Plexiderm, rapid reduction serum visibly reduces under eye bags and wrinkles. I've used this the last three or four days. Carol puts it on and then you sit and you wait and you feel something grabbing underneath your eyes. Is yeah, the skin tightens. The skin tighteners. Now it turns out, I remember talking to Renee when Renee was doing makeup when I was going to the office. Mm-hmm. And I asked about Plexiderm. I said, should I get it? And she says, it's hemorrhoid cream. Yeah, that's what the people used to just use hemorrhoid it's cream. It's hemorrhoid cream. But yeah. it's hard to say I How put hemorrhoid cream. Hemorrhoid this? cream, yeah. yeah. So now the problem with this is, if on this label, there was a sentence that said, use this more than three days in a row and you're going to die, because it is marketed to people over the age of 50 or 60 or 70, yes. they can't read this small print. <laughs> So you've never That's, used it? I, I've used or, it. Or what if it said you could also put this on your hemorrhoids? Well, in, <laughs> right. in case, in a pinch. Yeah. You can do that. A dessert topping as but well. That's, yes. Okay. Find that out but accidentally. All right. What is um, Viagra? Viagra was originally designed and invented as a, you know, a heart. That's right. Uh, it oh. made, it made your heart work better or your blood pressure. Yeah, it was not for what it turned oh, out to be. But not to shrink the skin. God help us if Viagra was going to do that. No, not to shrink the skin. No, but Plexiderm. So you're not, okay. So Can I, I read this label? Yeah. I'm Can so you? suspicious. I, I literally am not. You don't know it? Okay, so let me get to another product that's in the news. Like in the great commercial, Aunt Joni's here. Expired, expired, expired. I love that commercial. Everybody loves that commercial. I love that commercial. So the New York Times had a story the other day of 15 foods that never expire, basically. Never expire. Even when the the date says, you know, best used before X. Like they said, honey will never expire. Don't worry about honey. They said eggs, months, five, six months. Don't worry about this. If they smell bad, that's different. But there was a bunch of things that because I know because you were the food editor, so this is probably an important story to you. What expires and what doesn't, and the Times was saying that a lot of things don't. And uh, I hardly ever paid attention to the use by dates. I you, mean, when you have like a can of like good Italian tomatoes, it lasts years. Lasts for years. They actually if, said if, it lasts years. If the can starts to buckle, then you're in trouble. <laughs> right. Okay? But Michael the- is one of those people. 
You're a you're a strictist. You're no, I'm a strict constructionist on expiration so dates. Th- we're, let's unpack well, this. You Dad yelled brought, at me about my chicken salad. You brought a container of chicken salad. This is already cooked chicken that has been mixed with mayonnaise and other seasonings. And mayonnaise is key here. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. once you've opened this, I would say trust your nose. And normally, okay. maybe after I don't know five days, you might notice it begins to smell a little bit different. Mm. You were going on two weeks plus with no, this chicken no. salad, no, and no, as no. you leave to go to the gym, no, you just no. stick two fingers in and take a little scoop out. <laughs> And say protein. Yeah. <laughs> no, so that was no, good. no. I am a freak about expiration dates. Well, maybe I mean, you're shortchanging yourself. Well, I probably am. But no, no, no. no. I used to manage a grocery store. Really? And, oh, yeah. So Whoa. as a shopper Whoa. today. Take a 20. Well, what? No, 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 no. I mean, this was like, it's a, what, what do you call it? A co-op grocery store in college. But, you oh. know, I, I, I was a manager. And um, and then today when I shop, I'm really annoying. I mean, I have to like take stock from the back because if you stock properly, you put the the most removed dates in the back. So I only shop from the back of every item. Um, yes, and I used to purge my mother's refrigerator every time I visited. Well, her. you should you should <laughs> look really the story annoying. up in the Times. Yes, I mean, but it, I it, see, it I wouldn't even things. believe the story in the you know. Really? I, you know, I'm that much of a freak about expiration dates. Okay. I mean, do you cut the mold off cheese and then just use the cheese? Yes, I have Yeah, in my me life. too. I do that all the time. There's nothing wrong life. with that. There, now, I won't do that with bread. The bread goes out. Oh, I'll do but it But I'll bread. try to find a, a, a slice that's not touching the mold <laughs> slice and try and use that in anticipation of it going bad in a day. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not... I've lived this long. <laughs> and I've eaten and this chicken salad for a long time. It's only made you stronger, which is always what's, what amazes us. Now, the bread. Some of the bread you try and see if it'll spoil, and the stuff is so shelf-stable. You can go away for weeks, and it, you come yeah. back, it, it feels the same. Right. So I've had a too. cold for over two weeks, a cough and a cold. I have tested resolutely, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm negative. I always test because Gene was positive, and I didn't want Gene to have to it was go. A, it was before Christmas. Right, so I'm it's a long time ago. now. So I've been... And by tested, you made Nigel test you. Well, I'll, I have a story for in the middle of the night. In the middle of this night, as Billy Joel would sing, in the middle of the night. I go walking in my sleep. So I started coughing and sneezing at about 12.30 in the morning. I woke up and I'm coughing and I'm sneezing. And it had been going gradually away. And I was like right at the end of it, I felt, yesterday. And then this happened. And then I began to panic. And at 3.30 in the morning, I said to Carol... I need to take a COVID test, which means you need to give me one because I don't know how to take a COVID you test. You don't know how. No, I don't know how. Either Nigel this is like he doesn't know how to turn on the computer. I don't know how. Or get money out of an ATM. Of Why no. am I surprised? No, don't know how to, don't, don't want to know. There are a lot of things I don't want to know. So I, I took a COVID test, convinced that I had COVID, sneezing when I don't. And I don't again. Like you run, at some point you run out of luck, right? How many times do you think you've tested yourself? Oh, God, 20? How many times do you think you've tested yourself? I've only tested my... Well, three times at my house, but at the post, we're tested once a week. So, like, lots. Oh, lots. You still are? Yeah, yeah. How many I times? have never never had COVID, right. by the way. How many Probably times? north of your numbers, just because also with the under three crowd, if they looked like they might have had symptoms, ah. we, t- we tested ourselves, assuming if we had it, then they probably had it as well, because there's nothing worse than trying to stick a nasal swab up a three-and-a-half-year-old's nose. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, but what's interesting is when I did test positive, it was, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night shivering, you know, all those Ooh. symptoms. 
but I knew I, I woke up and I said, I know I, I this feels different and I have to test. Oh. So one of the things that I was smelling this morning was something you told me. Mm-hmm. And I was smelling, I thought, was something oh, burning in the house? Sign. An electrical fire. Yeah, but it was very faint. Fire. But I thought of you immediately, and it was at that moment that yes. I said, I'm waking Carol up mm-hmm. to take a test. She was not happy. Maybe She's I just going to planted sleep that 11. idea in your head. <laughs> well, you did. It worked. Yeah. Story in the paper the other day. I'd like to read this out loud. Strasburg, the 2019 I, World Series oh. MVP and the team's most expensive player, oh, no. suffered a setback in his recovery from 2021 surgery. Hello, 2021 <laughs> surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome, which nobody understands. According to manager Dave Martinez, the right-hander experienced discomfort following a recent bullpen session. Martinez declined to specify when the session occurred and will re- remain in Washington for right now. Quote from Martinez, I know in his heart he wants to pitch. I know the fans want to see him pitch again, but at this point, it's just health-related, and it's the same thing. It's the nerve that's bothered him. I know he's going to get checked out by some doctors again, so we'll see. He's never pitching again. No. Never. It's a $245 million contract. It is now in the running for the worst contract ever made by a team to a player. Am I right? Asterisk. The World Series. I know. So this is why I'm not angry. Okay. That's why I'm not angry, because he won the World Series. I understand that. But he's never going to pitch again. I'm pretty sure like you're right. Like the enduring, the enduring visual of Steven Strasburg is looking down <laughs> at his right arm and looking into the dugout oh, for the we trainer. Know that look. As, oh, yeah, as he walks off the mound, he's not. He's not pitching again. No. So and as soon not, as you hear he's not 25, the now. title of that surgery, you knew it would be this bad, and you wondered. You know, this is related to seeing Tiger Riviera. You, you wonder, is he going to pitch again? I, I don't think he will. No, but it's impossible to separate this from the owners who are trying to unload this team. And you look at. This is like mm. you overpaid for yeah. a premium That's real estate location, and then all of a sudden the world shifts. No one wants to go downtown anymore, and now you're sitting with that sunk cost. I don't blame anybody for this. I'm just saying it's going to turn out to be the worst contract of all time. He's pitched like 40 innings. That's all. That's it. 40 innings. He's not going out there again. How old was he his rookie year? Was he 19, 20? No, Harper was that young. Pitchers are usually a little older. Strasburg was in his early 20s, I believe. He was an overall number one overall number one pick, as was Harper. But Harper got up mm-hmm. earlier. Or maybe he not. Knows. 21. 20, okay, because I So think, what is he now? 35? Uh, let's see. I think he's... 34. It's over. I think of that first game he oh, pitched, sure. which was just spectacular. Sure. And clearly he wanted to live up to every expectation. What was it 13 strikeouts, 14 strikeouts? I can't remember. But I just wonder if going for that kind of thing, that young, just burned out an arm too early. He never had Tommy John. No. He never had that. This thoracic thing is isn't that in his neck i uh, think it's related it, to that like is, yeah nerve right like it, it it's not the s1 which i've got from your back but it probably on the bridge of your neck but even versus shoulders. tommy john it's not like getting it's not like a, a simple break it's they might have another right. another sport to say here's your timeline you're back you're good it's More clear pervasive. that strasburg's is not curable it's just not curable every Can time I- he goes out this happens Every time. I just say, um, you know, I'm always glad when athletes get paid. I'm always on the side of labor versus management. So, yay. But this story just, just 
appalls me because of NFL players. Uh, that those that's who I'm thinking of. The fact yes. that their contracts are not guaranteed. I mean, there's nothing some are, analogous. but only quarterbacks. It's very, very rare. And Von rare. Miller, yeah, you know, it's very rare. The numbers thrown Game around changers. are just fake numbers. You know, right. they don't. It's super rare. Well, it's super rare that. Well, they, the bonus that they give you is not fake. Yeah, but the, the and you can get fifty, sixty million dollars on bonuses. Yeah, n- for some players. Yeah, yeah, but, for star but players. But for for a lot of players whose careers might be right. three, four years, that That's I right. mean, they have more than a pinched nerve left, you know, for the rest of their lives. And and the, yes, oh yeah, yeah, yes. their, their bodies are yeah. very differently and, and destroyed than baseball the, player bodies. You know, they're not. Fully guaranteed, like baseball players. So I'm not. I'm not downing baseball and players. And I do think Strasburg but... stayed with the Nats because of the way they and, and Scott Boris appreciated this because of the way the team had recognized Strasburg's injury, had not tried to force him back too soon mm-hmm. as much as they needed him. So at the time, it seemed like a good thing that the yeah. Nats approached sure, him. Sure, but I would suggest that maybe Scott Boris who may or may not be the devil, was aware that no other team would enter into a contract like that with him at that point because they would have medical questions about him. I mean, you just saw this with Carlos Correa. Like you take a physical and all of a sudden the richest team in baseball or one of the Mets says, ooh, we're away from this. We're not going to get involved in this. Mm. So I also want to talk. There's two other things I want to talk about in the open. The things that we are shooting down. Oh, yes. The balloons that we are shooting down. On almost a daily basis. Not for four days, I think. What do you think about the guy who missed? <laughs> what do you think about the guy who missed the balloon over Lake Huron? What do you think about that? Uh, maybe perhaps a desk job? <laughs> perhaps put him in the booth? <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I pass by, because everybody in Washington passes by somebody's house who's famous and needs Secret Service protection. And I pass by a house like this, and I'm ta- and these are Secret Service guys, mm-hmm. and I was talking to them, and they went ooh about the guy who missed. And first of all, the general said it fell harmlessly into Lake yes. Huron. What if it didn't? Yes. What yes. if it skirted Lake Huron and fell harmfully into a bunch of houses, you know, in Wisconsin or Michigan or something like that? Th- these, if they are indeed balloons, if they're UFOs. Okay, I'm going to back off what I'm saying. Everyone says they're not UFOs. If they are UFOs, I back away. But these things are not taking evasive measures. You went probably to the Air Force Academy or the Naval Academy. You then went into flight school. You're the top gun. You're it. You're the number one stunner, as they used to say. And you missed. What are your friends saying to you? Like, what are your other guys in flight school saying to you when they find out you missed? Aren't you supposed to make that one? Isn't that a layup? It, it's like the field goal kicker. <laughs> Just, you know, you got to win the game, But it's a field goal kicker guy. from 20, not from 50. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, you missed the decimal right. point. Right. You're, right. you're supposed to make that. Ooh. It's I, a tough one to say, like, my bad, you know. It's, it's pretty... Are you bothered by the fact that we're shooting down things on, on a regular basis? You know, I will... That I will, we think have been up there for like, I don't know, 20 years? I'll, I'll tell you what bothers me, and I'm going to sound like a, a finger-wagging person, but that's really who I am. Um, <laughs> I am really bothered that we are not this exercised about shooting down college students and elementary school students. I mean, the gun pox 
humans against humans concerns me far, far more than balloons, even if they are E.T. or E.T.'s family. I, I, I really do not care. Um, and, and the whole surveillance thing, it, it, it's, it's, I'm not sure that's the sole means of surveillance in our globe. So I, I don't oh, no. see it as an existential no, threat. We, so we, no, we, I am really upset about shooting, but, but on the human level. If we are good enough to build the stuff that we build, we know what they're getting. We can jam their signals or we can just intercept everything that they're, we know all of that stuff, but we'd never, you can't tell me this is the first time these things have been up there. Well, the thing that bothers me about the story, though I very much appreciate Liz's perspective on this, but the th one thing that bothers me is that these most recent three objects that were shot down were discovered only because they amped up the volume mm -hmm. on their detection. Like they right. added a filter. Right, set. right, right. Oh, like so the like, metal detector at the airport. Yeah, so like know. all of a sudden, They're out we there. find three things. Right. Well, what if you had done that six months ago? You know, what have you missed? But was there not awareness of a, a specific Chinese um, spy balloon under Trump? I don't know. I believe they said that. But he didn't shoot it down. Correct. What I did think he they do? said that they did. He we, try to did the, he try to build a condo on it? What did he do? <laughs> <laughs> I think they said it. that that administration was unaware that th th this had happened. Oh, but okay. We're unaware. I always defer to Gene. Well, if I you go to what this also happened to me the other day, I, I have I have this bad compressed nerve in my back, and as a result of that, it was recommended to me by the surgeons who I talked to that I try to take the steroid shots. Ooh. It's very common. Yes. Everybody does this when they have some sort of problem. You like take cortisone? Cortisone yeah. shots. Mm -hmm. Cortisone yes. shots. Yeah. You've taken these in your life? Yeah, three. It's, but your Did story, they work for go you? right ahead. To a point that it scared me to death. I mean, my acute oh, so pain lucky. was totally gone. Oh. But it, it's really bad if you're a diabetic because it interferes with your... Okay. The, oh, yeah. So the, I don't... Uh, that's not So I, I don't do it anymore. But I took yeah. three different shots and they didn't... To my knowledge, they may have worked marginally... But I didn't have the miracle get up from the get up oh. from the table, and I know people who've had. Oh, yeah. I got up from the table, and it was gone. The pain was gone, all gone, crippling pain, all gone. Yeah. I know a lot of people who've had that. Didn't happen for me. But this is more to this point that I'm trying to make. I got recommended by my doctors to take this shot, and they said, "Here's a guy to go to." I, I did it, right? I sure. did it. I happily did it. The same thing as if you're, I had this happen to me the other week too. Your crown breaks in half. You go to the dentist. Okay, you go to the dentist. You go to your dentist. You probably don't know how much it's going to cost. You really don't. I mean, you might know how much a quart of chicken salad from Columbia costs, but you're not going to know how much, how much a, a cortisone shot. You're not going to know how much That's it costs. That's correct. So I got... A bill, and I saw, and I'm not going to discuss specifics, but it was a, a very, seemed to me a high amount. And, um, and I just thought, you don't price, the, you would not do this if you were buying shades. Uh, you yes. would not do it. You'd go to the first shade company, you'd go to the second shade company, you might go to a third. You would not if you're getting your house uplit. You would not <laughs> go to just one person. Because you'd think, well, this, you know, 
And yet we do this in medicine all the time. All the time, you don't price it out. I, I asked, are these prices? I just said, I don't know the price. Is it high? Is it medium? Is it low? I had no idea. And I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have gone somewhere else. Were you looking at me? Well, there is some sort of a new director directive that I have gotten from at least one doctor and then at my eye doctor as well. At the beginning of the year, one of my doctors sent me this sort of formal letter saying, this is what we charge for this. Oh. This is what we charge for this. This is what we charge for this. I've never gotten a letter like that. That's just good. just started. And then I went to my eye doctor recently, and when I checked in, I was just going for an annual exam. You didn't go pick up any plexiderm while you were there. I did not. <laughs> I did not. I'm not going to put that stuff on my eyes. Um, I checked in. The woman at the desk said, this is such and such charge for the annual exam, which insurance, I think, covers most of. But the if we have to write, write you a prescription, <laughs> there's a this dollar charge yes just for the written prescription just because then they take the e- exam a step further then they realize that perhaps you need a corrective lens somewhere okay. so they have to take the exam a step further which results in a prescription would you price out glasses oh sure you would do that you would price out glasses sure would you price out not a regular exam you have your doctor that you trust so you wouldn't necessarily do that but if you got sent from your doctor or your dentist to a specialist because you needed something, would you price that oh, out? No, I would not. I, no. I have not. I have not done that. And and so when I got the bill, I went, "Oh, you're never this trusting." I, I am. What I am. So with, I think when you, I think when you zoom out from this, I would look at it saying there's a difference between getting a prescription for something, whether it's you know um, you know your topical or or even something you, you might have to take once a day, twice a day versus seeing a specialist for a procedure. And this shot sort of seems like it's in between both of those areas because it's a one-and-done type thing. Um, but I'm always wondering, like, oh, is this doctor getting a kickback or is there a special relationship with this new... You know, I think about with uh, seeing allergists. Is there, there's a yeah. new, um, you know, steroid nasal spray on the market. or Do they want to test it out? And what are they getting from this? I think being an informed consumer on medical matters is is kind of a generational thing. It's appropriate... Yes. But I think there's, we I don't know, do no, it. my dad, like traditionally, y- you price out all things. I mean, you're a good steward of your money, but in anything in the category of medicine or healthcare, there's this traditional deference, like, well, I don't know. And, and, and their job is to help me and they would always do the right thing and they're experts and I'm not, you wouldn't question or even say why this treatment is this necessary. Can it wait? What you wouldn't even do that much less is this the best value for my money? Yeah. And, and I think this awakening of patients have rights and physicians are not in this special category above yeah. questioning is a new thing. Yeah. I mean, just my yeah. my. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm of a generation that total trust. And on our these parents. Things. Yeah, by the way, and it's were, always yes. worked out. Our parents were unquestioning. Oh yeah, my yeah. god! Yeah. I would say that if you go for a medical procedure and it turns out in a van or a motel, that's probably you <laughs> probably want to do a price check. I draw the line if, if the doctors live on Rockwood Parkway. I go, wow, they're, they're now, really when you money. first showed me the bill for the shot, I, my first question to you was, all right, what's your, uh, I don't know, when you when you go to your insurance marketplace, what does your uh, plan look like? Uh, you have PPO, HMO, all these I, uh, choices. You have no idea. I've You've no never idea. selected. No, I never selected a plan. You didn't. It's a hard decision. Cigna. 
difference. Calculated indifference gives no aid. We'll take a break. <laughs> we'll come back with everybody. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. These are Jackie and the Treehorns. This comes from Brian Gibson in Columbia, Maryland. I'm a longtime little and drummer for the D.C. area rock band Jackie and the Treehorns. We're proud to submit two songs from our latest album, Go Get Your Ghosts, for the podcast. We hope you'll be kind enough to share them with your listeners. The first track is Voyage. It's a story about being lost at sea, abandoned with nowhere to go, and the slow mental breakdown that ensues. So it's an uplifting song. <laughs> That's an uplifting song. Voyage. Jackie and the Treehorns. You laughed when I said Jackie and the Treehorns. I was thinking of my tennis shoes from high school. Oh, oh tree Treehorns. Treehorns. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Tree-torns. I was giggling about that. Yeah. Okay. Ridiculously. All right. Sorry. So we're going, to, we're going to draw on your many years of covering auto racing. Because the Daytona 500, which is, to my knowledge, the most important race in NASCAR, goes this weekend. And it's not only the most important race, but unlike every other sport, which the most important thing is either at the end or near the end, it's first. Yeah. It's the first one. How many... T- in, in, in the resume of my sports writing career, that's one I missed. Now, uh, I've, been to, I've been to NASCAR races. Yes. But that's one I've missed. Yes. You've done it a bunch. Yes, what it's makes been a while. it what yeah. makes it a big deal? Well, there is that, you know, giant symbol clash to start the season with the biggest event. So it's just in the air. I mean, and I'm hearkening back in the day when NASCAR was just going gangbusters. Um so there was this great electricity and and you know, there's a 36 race season. But the almost the whole off season is devoted to getting the best car for Daytona. You for know, Daytona. it's so disproportionately important to the teams. It, it, it's it's just huge the tradition. But to go there to sit and it's one of those things. If you're on the ground, you drive in in the infield in your car, you park in the media lot, you walk around. You have no sense of the scale. You have no sense of it because it's just so vast. You have to get in the press box above the stands overlooking like you do with football fields. But this is so much bigger. I want to say it's like six or eight football fields, the wow. equivalent. It, it's two and a half miles around. It's so huge. There's a lake in it. You know, it's filled with RVs. Can you see all of it from the press box? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just breathtaking. And then um, and then you see literally how close the cars run together at almost 200 miles an hour. Oh. It just will take your breath. It's astounding. And then, so different vantage points you appreciate it at a different level. If you're in the infield and, um, you know, on pit road or standing in turn one, just the sound is unlike anything else. This like... You know, that'll go away with hybrid engines, you know, ultimately. But the it's such a throaty, totally different than IndyCar or F1 sound. It's, it's, and it's noxious. 
It's it's just so visceral. It's thrilling. I have to say it's thrilling. Yes. Can you be considered a great NASCAR driver if you have not won the Daytona 500? Yes. Yes, you can. But it's one of those holes on your resume that is a pity. I mean, the great Dale Earnhardt, the late Dale Earnhardt, I want to say he failed to win it 20 times. I could be off by one or two. Was that where he died? Was That that is where he died. But the irony, I mean, so many ironies, so many tragedies there. He was the master of racing at Daytona. It takes a special quality of understanding the aerodynamic draft to not only race at Daytona, but to win at Daytona, to know like when to time the pass you have to have. He was the best at it. But year after year, he was just snake bitten by freakish, freakish things like a, a pigeon or, or what do you call the, the, the birds at, by the water? Seagulls. Pelicans, yeah, yes. sorry. Yeah, a seagull like ran into his car one time or, you know, just weird things. So when he finally won it, I, was, I, was, I covered that race. It was 98. It was just the most amazing thing. Now, he had, at that point, I believe, seven championships. He didn't need any further validation. Only three men in history have won seven championships. I mean, he was the alpha of alphas, the god. You know, some saw him as the Antichrist. But, but, you know, he was the biggest, baddest ass. But but that really dawned at him. He hadn't won the Daytona 500. You said off-air you had driven around in regular cars with him. Oh, yeah. What was that like? Oh, it was really fun. (laughs) Really fun. Um, And this is back in the day when I was covering racing full-time and uh, would do a special profile of him. Uh, Once for the Charlotte Observer, once for uh, Dallas Morning News, once for um, The Post. Um, But, you know, I got to know him over time. And when I would need an interview, need time... It would just be like, come out to the farm and, and we'll, we'll talk. We'll do the interview there. And he, he was very proud of his farm and the, the land he had. And um, we'd really just like hop in his truck and, um, and ride around the property. And he would talk. He, he, I, I think kind of like, you know how Bruce Springsteen is most comfortable with a guitar, with in, a his guitar hand. in his hand doing the Stern interview. Like he, it's yes. like, and I really think Dale, it's like, to be behind the wheel, I mean, interview wouldn't have worked had I been driving and he was in the passenger car. First of all, that would never, ever have happened in his lifetime. But um, I just think it was like his security blanket. I'm in charge. I'm behind the wheel, you know, and he was so open and so expansive. I mean, oh, actually, the first time I spent a full day with him, we I had to meet him at his farm um, at, at like 730 in the morning because we were going to drive to North Wilkesboro Speedway, no longer in use, and he was going to qu- practice, qualify the car, and I was going to shadow him the whole day, and then we were going to drive back to the farm. And um, <laughs> so I had to meet him at 7.30. He, I, I, I went in. He offered me a sun drop soda and a chicken biscuit <laughs> like for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> we, we get in the truck and uh before we set out like i didn't use my seatbelt, and he's like we're not going until you put on your seatbelt." so i put on my seatbelt, and they were back roads you mainly took to north wilkesboro and it's just the pain in the ass um tailgate is that what you call it um is it it's not tailgating what's the word when you're on somebody's bumper 
Okay, I'm confusing yeah. my football uh, chicken wing yeah. tailgating. <laughs> but that, I mean, he was an obnoxious, aggressive driver. Really can't oh. imagine. No, he was. <laughs> and then like the, the lines that say like you can pass here, not there. It, it did not matter what the line said. I mean, just, just so it was very fun. Very funny. So you covered, you mentioned before Formula One and you mentioned before IndyCar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer... Of these three, is there mm-hmm. one you prefer, and is there a reason you prefer it? Oh, boy, this is so interesting. So I've only covered one IndyCar race in my life, and that was one, the rare ones, that it was at Indy, at, in the U.S., in the continental U.S. Right. And it, it was a, not a good experience, because uh, Schumacher tried to rig the finish to have this photo finish, and so I, I was very disillusioned by that. Nonetheless, I mean, if I had a bucket list, it would be an F1 race at Monza to see the Ferraris run in Italy. And, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to to see that, whether I'm just seeing it, hearing it, covering it. So that's kind of a big hole on my resume. I've never seen an F1 race um, overseas, and, and I'd most like to do that in Italy. Um, I, I do not like, co- I, I did not like covering drag racing just because it's, it, it will split your eardrums and it's a, it's really automotive i mean it the goal is to go in a straight line faster than anyone and so it, it's just too mm. much of a power blast um yeah, and i'm not that into yeah but but the the characters in nhra and are really fascinating i mean they're great great big daddy don garlands yeah. oh yes <laughs> yeah. yeah john force and they're they're so yeah. open so that that's fun but I mean, but your heart belongs to NASCAR. To NASCAR, but I'll tell you, and and again, this is um, I I don't cover it much to speak of now, although I have a story running tomorrow or Sunday. Um, I'm an American history major. You know, my parents are Southerners. I'm really not. You know, just because of the where I grew up. But I'm very fascinated with the history of our country and the history of of. Um, not so much the South, but but the the Scots Irish immigrants who came and settled the East Coast and were very much against paying taxes. You know, were fiercely independent, full of valor. I mean, there's a, just a very interesting. The roots of stock car racing are a lot these people, and they made moonshine, and that is from what they brought with them and they had to drive country. fast mm-hmm. they had to drive fast because they didn't want to pay taxes on their moonshine right so i mean all that's my entry point for nascar and that it's kind of a self-made when it was regional i mean i sort of like food i mean i'm fascinated with anything regional like oh you know if you're into food a chicken it's like, biscuit i've been thinking about one since you said it. <laughs> <laughs> a chicken biscuit and a sun drop soda you know but um so i love and and I think that's going away in our country. But I love sports that are regional. And I think if I had worked at the Louisville Courier Journal, I might know horse about racing. horse racing. You know, because yeah. you can't work there if you don't know about it. And I my early newspapers were in North Carolina, and you you needed to know. So when I started to work in 1970, um, there were no women sports writers. There were absolutely none. Yeah. But very quickly, within 71, 72, 73, there were women sports writers. Did you find at any time that because, boy, it seems to me that stock car racing is a real man's thing. Mm-hmm. 
real mm-hmm. man's thing. Mm-hmm. Did you find that you were you treated in a way that you didn't expect when you started to cover that? Totally, but not in the way you think. Um, or maybe in was, a better way. In it was the most welcoming sport. I just cannot tell you from car owners, crew chiefs, mechanics, racers. Again, back in the day, it's just. It, the access remains unbelievable. Yes, you can walk with them oh, as yes. they get walk in the car to, to the start car. the race. Yes, 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 yes. yes. To this day, Amazing. you know, not to mention like, come over to my house. We'll do the interview. We'll drive yeah. around. And um, so it's it's um, and and I don't know that it's unique. I'm not sure it cuts along gender lines, but happily, I don't think gender is is a barrier because the real thing is. Interest. If you have genuine interest in figuring out what I do and what a restrictor plate is and and what the carburetor does, like come over here. We'll look under the hood and I'll show you this and I'll explain this and this is what tire wear is and this is what a tire rub is and blah 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 blah. It's like anything you want to know, someone will show you in NASCAR and and it's just it's a thrill. That's interesting because to me, when when I visualize racing, auto yeah. racing, yeah, what comes into my mind? Well. Paul Lamatt in American Graffiti. You know, there's a guy oh, yes. sitting in a car yeah. and there's his girlfriend, yeah. you know, is, you know, is over there hoping it'll go all right. Don't worry, baby. Yeah. Okay. That's, that is to me, oh, that's that real. is the that's... most sharply segregated yes. by gender sport that I can even imagine. I, I don't know that. No, this is also true. So. No, this is also true. But, but um. I mean, so when I was started covering racing, there was a Miss Winston. I mean, the, the sure. beauty queen sure. sponsored by RJR. Her whole job was to hand out cartons of cigarettes in the garage. She was gorgeous. She was always friendly. Everybody loved Miss Winston. And then there was always the trophy queen. There were, mm-hmm. you know, Linda Vaughn is like the, one of the most famous trophy, I hate to say trophy girls, but... She said, Tom Wolf wrote a whole, whole thing about Linda Vaughn. I love her. You know, so there were beauty queens. Um, but the, like, that's a different category than female sports journalists. Right. You know, the journalists, you were required to wear, you know, cover your arms, cover your legs, closed toe, closed what do you call it? Shoes. Shoes. You know, that's all about fire yeah. um so it, it's like working female journalists or working female pr people were were respected for working hard and but you know there were no one would confuse me for miss winston in other words i just <laughs> didn't have that look and and i really well, you liked a lot miss of benson them. and hedges they, you know, no, you I, know. They, there were some really <laughs> lovely ones who are super smart and great at their job and yeah. it, i wrote a magazine story about the death of miss winston the death of the institution so I'm a big fan of that. That's another Americana thing that's gone. Just lovely when you come and you talk about things that we never, ever expected. You probably lost all your listeners in the time. No, I don't no, think not so. at all. Not at all. We'll take a break. I'm you have. We'll take a break. Steve Sands will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, these are Jackie and the Treehorns. This is a track called If They Only Knew. It's a song about secrets. Everyone has them, for instance. How is Carville really doing so well on his blue plate specials? (laughs) Or does Harry Melba really not know who you are? The new album is available on all music services, including Spotify and Apple Music. Those who enjoy our new music can see us, Jackie and the Treehorns, on Friday, March 24th at The Pocket 
in Washington, D.C. I'm unfamiliar with the pocket. As am I. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for your continued support of original music. I wholeheartedly agree with Michael Granberry that artists like us are so appreciative of the opportunity to give us to reach a broader audience. Happy to do it. I love the yes. drums on that song you played. It's funny. Like, the first, my first thought was, what amazing drums. And then you said, this is sent in by the drummer. Yeah, this is the drummer, it's Brian Gibson. Very cool Michael, sound. if people like Jackie and the Treehorns want to send in their music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. And Jackie and the Treehorns at the moment play in Steve Sands. Uh, and I have to tell you, I got home yesterday from walking the dog about... 620 and tiger was on 14 or 15 whatever it was and he wasn't playing all that well he was plus one at the time and i watched him as i'm sure you watched him birdie 16 17 and 18 i think all three i think justin thomas and rory i think they all birdied 18 i watched him birdie 16 17 and 18 and i watched him smile and i thought <laughs> If he does, even if he doesn't make the cut, what a great ending of the first round, right? Oh, it was amazing. Um, I mean, it doesn't even matter if you're a Tiger fan. Uh, if you're just a, a golf fan or even better yet, if you're just a sports fan, like to see the best players in the world compete uh, at whatever sport it is, it was nice to see him get back there and get after it. Last time we saw him play, uh, was the PNC Championship. That's, you know, the father's son with his son, Charlie, and he was in a golf cart. That's not really a, mm. a competition uh, in, in his regard, uh, that he regards uh, as a massive competition. But the Open Championship at St. Andrews is the last time we saw him, and, you know, it wasn't pretty. And, and to watch him get back out there and compete um, and, and watch him have the joy yeah. of competing uh, was really, really uh, tantalizing. It was a lot of fun to watch. I enjoyed it. Until that moment or those moments, it looked grim. His face looked grim. It looked like, yeah. man, I'm hurting. My body is hurting me. And then there was that smile. What is your sense of him physically? Michael was pointing out to me this morning that his ball speed is on the drive is the same as Rory's. He was uh, at around 178 to 180. So well, what, do you, what do you think? When he drives the golf ball beyond where Justin Thomas and Rory yeah. McIlroy are putting the golf ball, that's saying something about his golf swing. I don't think anybody uh, in this sport is questioning whether or not he can play. There, there's no question about his, his swing speed, his ball speed, uh, his chipping ability, his pitching ability. His iron play has always been uh, outstanding, uh, and his putting has been ridiculous. Uh, throughout his career clearly it has waned a little bit as he's gotten into his late 40s but his competitive drive his ability to swing the golf club none of that is in question the question tony is and that's what's so curious about today he played late in the afternoon yesterday now he turns right around and plays early and it's cold in the morning it's cold it's gonna be chilly yeah it's a quick turnaround and it'll be a challenge for him and this is only through 36 holes if he finishes the 18 today then he's got to do it two more days the question is can that ankle can that leg hold up over the course of walking 72 holes this is one of the great debates in sports is is golf really a sport is golf athletic well you've got to walk it you've got to be able to get through four straight days you cannot take a golf cart on the pga tour and that's the biggest challenge for tiger the golf part is not the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge for him 
is the physical nature of the sport uh, and also shaking off that rust. And he's got a lot of rust on his game. But it sure didn't look like it yesterday late in the round. It did look like it in the middle stages but not in those last three holes. He was money in those last three holes. So if I'm listening to you correctly, you're unlike me, you're not going to be surprised if he makes the cut, whereas I am going to be surprised if he makes the cut. Yeah, I was going to be surprised if he made the go. Now I would be surprised if he didn't make the cut because he shot two under uh, 69 yesterday. He, right. he should be able to, if he's able to physically handle today's round uh, and all of the things that go with it this morning uh, out in Los Angeles, then I think he should be able to make the cut. I was not in the camp of him making the cut uh, going into the week. But after seeing him finish yesterday, yeah, I can see him willing himself into the weekend. I do not think he's going to put himself in contention to win. But what's the goal? He will always tell you outwardly that his goal is to win. Now, come on now. There's not a person on the planet, uh, even the biggest Tiger fan, who thought coming into the week that he would be able to give himself a chance to win. I think making the cut is a great goal. Uh, and we expect to see him in the Masters, right? We, we definitely expect to see him in the Masters. Yeah, I, I cannot imagine. Uh, unless there's a physical ailment like that, Plasher Fanny, I, uh, what is that? What Plasher Fanny? Fanny I, I forget what it's called. Yeah. Uh, the plasher or whatever. Plantar. Oh. Plantar fasciitis. Plantar fasciitis, thank you. Uh, sorry, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> so that was a big, big <laughs> issue with him uh, around Thanksgiving in December. If you remember, Tony, last one of the last times we spoke, uh, on the air, not just off, but he was going to play in the Hero World Challenge, and he couldn't do it because of that. Uh, then he played, and he limped around a lot at yeah. the PNC Championship, but he really wanted to play with his son, Charlie. Unless there's a physical ailment, I think he's going to play again before the Masters. He could play at Bay Hill, where he's had a lot of success. He's won the Players' Championship. He knows how big of a deal that title is uh, and that event is to the PGA Tour. I expect him, as he, if he's healthy... I expect him to play at least one more time before Augusta, and without question, he will put the peg in the ground uh, at the Masters unless uh, there's a physical ailment. And, and in terms of stress tests, Riviera with the elevation changes is your your best you know uh, barometer to see how he can handle those hills Augusta, at Augusta. At Augusta, yeah, yeah, no question. Did you see him? I don't know if you saw the beginning of the telecast. I thought it was really interesting watching him walk down, number one. Anybody who's ever seen Riviera in person or on television knows, as Michael just alluded to, there are a couple of serious elevation changes. One in 18. Number one, you go straight down. At 18, you go straight back up. up. And when he walked down that path to go hit his second shot on the first tee, you could see him walking very gingerly coming down. I'll tell you another thing that was really interesting. One of the great sounds in golf – it's very similar to in basketball, the old days of hearing the, the, the sneakers squeaking on the hardwood. Mm. One of the great sounds in golf is that crunching sound of nails, of, of, of not soft spikes on guys' shoes when they're walking on a car path. Tiger has always famously worn spikes and not soft spikes. He's always had that kind of crunch, crunch, crunch when he walks. Wasn't wearing them yesterday. And that's because you've got to be able to get up and down those hills and not slide a little bit, especially when you're walking down number one on that cart path. So he's made some adjustments, very subtle adjustments, things that no one would think about. But all of this is to give himself the opportunity to get another green jacket, which would tie yeah. Jack Nichols at six. That's why he's playing right now. He wants to get himself ready uh, for a run at Augusta. Have you paid attention to and seen the Netflix series on golf, the one that's sort of similar to the one on Formula One racing? 
Yeah, it's pretty hard not to if you do what we do for a living. Right. Especially, in the, you know, I've, I've done all sports. I've been very lucky in my life to do all sports, but I do mainly golf now, obviously. And it's been a huge, huge, not only initiative by the PGA Tour and by Netflix, but it's also been something that in the sport, everybody was looking forward to seeing how it was going to not just compare to the Formula One one, but just to see if, you know, the, the general audience, not just the golf audience, would kind of soak in being allowed into these guys' lives. And it's been a pretty big hit so far the last couple of days. So I wanted to ask about this because it's sort of like the football series, the training camp series, where you, you have all access, complete all access. Golfers, you know, they're individuals. Have, have they all been cooperative or have some said, get these people out of here, I'm not doing this? <laughs> For the most part, uh, when the PGA Tour was approached by Netflix, uh, by the producers of Full Swing, uh, for the most part, everybody was, you know, really, really excited about it. I think there were a couple of, of no's, but there are more, way more players saying yes and way more players wanting that kind of spotlight shown on them. Uh, I think it, it was off to a great start with some of the guys they got. And, boy, you talk about, I mean, think about what, what Liz does for a living in journalism and what you did all your life uh, in journalism. Uh, just imagine uh, – being able to get inside these guys' lives. Yeah. And what's what's fascinating to me is is as an individual sport, you know, it's it's so different than the team aspect. There's no locker room mentality. You know, the the thinking that all oh, golfers are dorks and athletes are cool because it's such an individual sport. I think this is kind of unveiling a little bit uh, of, and letting the world come in to see that these guys actually are, are regular human beings. And by the way, what a year to do it. You got live going on in the spring. You got the players going back and forth. If you've seen any of the Netflix uh, show, Full Swing, they dive deep into the live versus PGA Tour thing. And of all the years for Netflix to have the access to the best players in the world on and off the golf course, last year was a heck of a year to do it, considering all the things that went on in the sport. It's an important thing. The, the HBO series Hard Knocks. Well, I remember when I saw the first episode, I went, oh, my God, I, I can't believe this. I can't believe that the teams would be cooperative with this. Cannot believe it um, because they had access to things that sports writers don't have access to. And sports writers right. have a lot of access in training camps and stuff like that. So I think cooperation is, is a very big deal. And if they're going to do it, so it's not just the PGA Tour. They're doing it with the Saudi Tour as well? Well, they, they got permission by the Live Golf to go to some of those events and show some of that. Right. Uh, they show some of that video. Uh, it is about the PGA Tour. It's okay. about the PGA Tour players. But because of the timeline, Tony, when they interviewed all of these guys, uh, and by the way, some of the golf writers, there aren't a lot of them left, uh, but some of the golf writers, the, the prominent golf writers, and you had one of them on a couple of weeks ago, Doug Ferguson. Doug Ferguson. Friend, and he's, a, he's a very, very good writer. Uh, he's the best golf writer, in my opinion. He's been doing it for so long. Um, it, he's fantastic at what he does. And he did a great job on your show. It was a lot of fun listening to him. Some of those guys are like, wait a second. We have all the actors in the world here, but we don't have anything close that's to right. what these guys are allowing full swing uh, to have. And, and that's been an interesting conversation uh, in and around uh, golf circles. But, you know, look, I think it's great to see people we root for or root against in sports and find out what they're actually like as human beings and not just the performers that they are on whatever stage it is. And I think the more access, the better. 
you know, at, at, at some point, obviously, you, you take a step back and don't let anybody all the way uh, in. But I think it's really cool when athletes open up, you know, to people, you know, who do this for a living and get to show the audience, you know, what they're like, who they're rooting for, not just the athlete uh, in them. And I, I think it's really cool uh, that, that these guys allowed that access. I'll just get you out of here on this. I won't even go into what Rory is saying lately because I'm not completely convinced of it. But I, I want to go back to Tiger and, and what you said about 1-18. and 18. I think it was Max Homa who said if, we, if he needs it, we'll carry him down 1 and we'll carry yeah. him up 18. Mm-hmm. There's nobody anymore who is Tiger's rival now. They all worship Tiger, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. love Tiger Woods, or am I wrong? No, no, you're 100% right. Tiger famously as a kid used to have a poster of Jack Nicholas on his wall. Kind of like people who are my age, we used to have that. You remember the Supreme Court poster of all the great yeah. NBA players yes. wearing the black robes yep. and that kind of thing? You know, everybody has... I figured guy. you for a Farrah Fawcett uh, I was thinking, yeah. poster. <laughs> sure, but go ahead. By the way... <laughs> The Farrah Fawcett in the red bathing suit was yeah. certainly on Stephen Sands' wall. Okay. Uh, there you go. Old Sands used to wonder why I had that poster on the <laughs> wall on 31st Street. But anyway, <laughs> we digress. The, <laughs> look, <laughs> here's the thing. Everybody has their guy. Everybody has their team. And in individual sports, everybody has their guy or their girl, whatever it is uh, that you enjoy. And in golf, these guys – worship tiger as you said these guys grew up wanting to be tiger and then they made it to the pga tour and got to compete against him a little bit and then all the things that have transpired in tiger's life on and off the golf course what's happened to him as he's aged is and he became a father and all these things that have happened to him in his life he's allowed these guys in i've said this to you before tony what was interesting about following tiger when i first started doing golf is he would beat the brains out of Ernie Els, Phil Mickelson, DJ Singh, David Duvall. He wasn't friends with any of them. He was an assassin out there. (laughs) Well, that was when he was a young man in his 20s. Now that he's aged a bit and he has way more perspective on life than he ever even probably dreamed he would have back then when everything was going so well, now the guys who are the best players in the world, Justin Thomas, one of his best friends in the whole world, yeah. a brother to him. Yeah. And Rory McIlroy is very close with him. And a lot of the young guys are close with him. And that's because Tiger has allowed them into his life. Very similar to how the PGA Tour players have allowed Full Swing and Netflix into their lives. He's allowed those kids, these kids, today's best players, into their lives. So not only are they competing against the guy they worshipped and still worship, they they get to be friends with him and get to know him, and that's that's a really special thing, uh, especially in this sport, especially in an individual sport. Liz does a lot of tennis, uh, and obviously I do a lot of golf, and I think that you know when these guys get close, they still want to beat their brains in. That's the best part is that they're not just giving it to Tiger. They, they want Tiger to compete, and they want Tiger to play well, but they also want to you know crush him. You know, when they have a chance to. And I think that's a really cool thing about sports. Now, that's good. Let's get to the heart of this thing. When is the next Springsteen concert that you and Liz are going to? <laughs> well, Liz and I, listen, I, I don't mean to leave Jeannie out of this conversation because I love Jeannie. Uh, I do, but too. <laughs> Liz, Liz and I have this ridiculous kinship 
um, of, of Bruce Springsteen yes. and the spirit that is Bruce and the E Street Band. And I think we're going to get together in Greensboro, Liz. Oh, right? yes. Yeah, I mean, well, that's where we our paths converge. It's yes. Greensboro. And yes. so I don't know if you will have time for me, but I will be texting you. I bet. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Come on. One of the so great joys of my life is yeah. walking into an Olympic lobby and seeing Liz <laughs> Clark there and being able to raise a glass. Remember Liz, that. Let's have a conversation. Of course I remember It's that. wonderful. This makes yes. me so happy. Yes. You have to do, if you have to do curling and water polo and all these weird sports <laughs> during the Olympics, you might as well have a drink with Liz Clark. I think that was South Korea. It I, was. It was Pyeongchang. Thank you. Thank you. It, yes, was. it was. Yes, it was. As we drop Asian cities for 500. <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Steve. All right, Tony, be good. Jeannie, Liz, Michael. Bye, Steve. Care. Bye, Steve. Steve Sands, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We'll come back with email and uh, jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Cigna struggled <laughs> with their massive plan. They will take your cash each month and watch a stack. <laughs> There is no You'll be covered They will not pay for your MRI Or even for steroid injections Tony, why? They're sleazy, aren't they, Tony? How can they deny? Do they not know you? A big cheese on PTI They should really schmooze But what do they choose to do To be sleazy with all done How good Genius. is Kirsten Onstead? Bring tears to your eyes How good is Kirsten Onstead? Unbelievable Come on Just yeah. the best Wow Yes. And that is apparently an Adele song. Yes. And I called Michael the you other day. You heard the voicemail. I was driving home, and I said, and I left him a voicemail, and then he, we talked about it. I said, I, I know Taylor Swift is, is really good, and everybody thinks she's like the biggest star in the world. I said, I just heard two songs by Adele. I said, Adele's really great, isn't yeah. she? And you said they were... They were the two biggest ones. They're sort of parallel in their storytelling with the songs and how these songs are so true to the voices that they both carry. I mean, Adele's a powerhouse singer. Wow. But you look at the way she the way she produces the album and where it comes in, where she is in her own personal life. It's 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 must listen. Do you, do you listen to Adele? I mean, this is all new to me. Oh, oh Adele, yeah. Taylor Swift, I, I have to say, I'm completely out of the Taylor Swift loop. I could not... Pick out one song of hers. I, I, but I know, I know she's huge. Really old, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, James Taylor. Is it yeah, similar music? Great. Yeah. Uh, do the Bethesda Bagel app. Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment to the Constitution, oh. freedom <laughs> of the press, and maybe the future of a country. Not that any of that matters. But if you guys f up again. <laughs> I'm going to get mad. Benjamin oh, Crowenshield Bradley. So Thanks to our guest today, Steve Sands. Thanks today to the sponsors, Grammarly and Liquid IV. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Great thanks to KJ on that. From Ken Vastola. 
I thought someone else would have chimed in on this by now, but as an Italian-American, I feel I must correct your misconceptions about gelato. Gelato has no dairy in it. You were thinking of sorbet or sorbetto mm-hmm. in Italian, which has no dairy. Talenti also makes sorbet, so be careful when shopping for gelato. Gelato contains less air than regular ice cream, so it is intensely flavorful and has a smooth, velvety texture. Gelato is usually lower in fat compared to regular ice cream since it contains more milk and less cream. I prefer gelato to ice cream because it's a bit healthier, less fat, but actually has more flavor. I highly recommend Talenti Double Dark Chocolate Gelato. A two-thirds cup serving has 15 grams of fat and 320 calories, while Haagen-Dazs Double Belgian Chocolate Chip Ice Cream, which I have in my freezer, is <laughs> two-thirds cup serving has 27 grams of fat and 420 calories, but the Talenti has all the rich dark chocolate flavor of the Haagen-Dazs. Note that I am not related to Talenti in any way except as a customer. <laughs> Last week, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage and I took a trip to Corning, New York. I've been there. Mm-hmm. We drove through Binghamton on our way there. We looked, but there isn't even a plaque or a signpost <laughs> or a statue in that town. What would Hyman Roth think? It's a shanda. <laughs> if that isn't enough, our dog Sam made an entire head of raw broccoli, a full container of cherry tomatoes, and a prime porterhouse steak. Though not all on the same day, our dog Hunter only eats deer poop. He's a chaza. We may name him Saliza. Fondly yours. KV in Del Mar, New York. Just south of Albany. That's great. Here we, we return to the same thing from John uh, Carnes in White Plains, Maryland. Long time. Back to Andy Poli in the Snackdown shows. First time. Seems like you confused gelato with sorbet on the show. Having a good stock of Talenti in my freezer, I can attest that among the top ingredients in their delicious coffee, <clears throat> excuse me, coffee chocolate chip gelato are both milk and cream. For sorbet, the number one ingredient is indeed water. According to Al Gore's internet, gelato is the Italian term for all kinds of ice cream. Um, so do, are you, where are you on gelato? Uh, you know, I don't eat ice cream. You don't? I, I have ice cream when people come over and I put it on some dessert. Of some, uh, I have two pints of ice cream in my freezer right now that are virtually untouched. You don't eat ice cream. I, I mean, I, I, I But you're dairy, a dessert person? I'm not a dessert okay. person. I, I'm like, my weakness. Pizza. Pizza and Fritos. Pizza <laughs> So if you could get a Frito uh, covered pizza. pizza no, you... no, no. I would not. But as you know, I'll take any pizza. Any pizza. As long as it's hot know, and I cheesy. <laughs> All right. From Bobby Godfrey. There is indeed a story, possibly apocryphal, about Cleopatra and an asp. But Cleopatra allowed the asp to bite her to end her life. Yes. The story you are thinking of is the fable of the scorpion and the frog, in which the frog promises to carry the scorpion across a river, but worries the scorpion will sting him. The scorpion promises not to sting, pointing out that doing so would doom them both, as the scorpion cannot swim. Still midway across, the scorpion stings the frog, and as they both drown, the frog asks why, to which the scorpion responds, it is in my nature. And he also says, P.S., we had, and he was on Chuck and Roxy episode 12. What number were you on? Uh, I think it was 5,002. It was not. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was up there, yeah. Okay. P.S. But it we, was great. It was fun. We, we had the Great it. Zucchini, Loyal Littles podcast, episode 146. The Great Zucchini was on. How about that? Perform at our son Calvin's fifth birthday party over the weekend. I was thrilled to greet him with a hearty and cheese rag. He was, as you would expect. Excellent. I can't even get him for this July. <laughs> um, from Jarrett. Jarrett Seberg. Okay, this is just weird. LeBron's age, 38 years old. Kareem's record, 38 years old. The record-breaking point, 38,388 points scored when he broke it, 38. Plus Tuesday, the night James broke the record was the 38th day of the year. 
That is weird. That is. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Here's more stuff. Patrick Sitter in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Memorable numbers. Seven, the number of Super Bowl titles won by Tom Brady. Ten, the questionable handicap of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Eleven, the number of NBA championships won by Bill Russell. One hundred, the number of points scored in a single game by Will Chamberlain. One hundred fifty, the number of Bruce Springsteen concerts attended by Steve Sands. That Sands, he never thought he'd be included in such an illustrious group. From Tom Pace in Lakewood, Ohio. Mike from Powhatan, Virginia, who wrote to say he dumped a girl in high school for having too many digits in her phone number, got me thinking about the most petty reason I dumped someone. A girl in college I dated lived each summer with her parents on the family farm in the middle of nowhere. It was a 30-minute drive on a badly lit two-lane country road from my place to hers. Well, you should have gone with Dale Earnhardt. One night after (laughs) dropping her off, I nearly struck a deer. That's it, I thought. No more of this. I called the next day to say, we need to talk. I was dumped by people. I never dumped anyone. Joe Rudden from Mount Airy. I'd like to throw my hat in the ring for the worst date ever. May 19th, 2001. Technically, it wasn't a date. It was just my wedding. I I feel like, though, this qualifies me in the spirit. Oh, no. By the way, there's another one from Patrick Sitter. Uh, my wife is asking me why I just traded in our brand new Grand Wagoneer for Jeep Cherokee. Please help. She's not buying the grill explanation. No, it's true. Yeah. It's tr- have you seen, like, don't, isn't the Jeep grill one of the most recognizable in all of cars? You see a Jeep, you, you, a Jeep, Jeep drives towards you, you know, by the grill, and the Grand Wagoneer doesn't have the grill. Doesn't have it. Uh, Mitch Bangert. Shot coffee out of my nose. You and Pablo talking about chambers of darkness, Rogers, blah, blah. Pablo says, yeah, this stuff is trending. You say, I like lamb chops. I'm old. I also like lamb chops. Yes, I like lamb chops. From Dave Arnold in Broomall, Pennsylvania. That's near Philadelphia, isn't it? Broomall. Love seeing the famous Jackie Gleason photo behind you on PTI last week, but did he hit it to the moon? You can't do that show anymore. No. no. Bang, zoom. No. You can't do it. Oh, There's so, so many things you oh, can't do. True. You just, right? Right. Can't do it. From Jacob in Bethesda, first time, long time, relatively recently to the dental practice. Relatively recently, the dental practice I went to was sold. I simply went to the new dentist and took it over. She found at minimum eight cavities in my mouth and basically said she didn't think the old dentist was doing anything for years. I hate going to the dentist now. It used to be so easy when they weren't doing anything. <laughs> From Tim Wildsmith, our singer from yeah, we Nashville. Love Tim. Yeah, he's very I don't talented. have a song for you today, but I felt compelled to write in after hearing that Chuck and Roxy are giving out gift bags to guests on their show. I didn't get a gift bag, and I was on episode 133 and episode 192. Please tell Chuck and Roxy did it. Did you get a gift bag? Uh, no, I, mm. I didn't. But I was 5,002, so they might run out of bling by then. I did not know. I did not realize until you read Tony Beeson's email that you were one of the few people other than my parents who uses my full name. My nickname, Roop, rhymes with poop. Roop Sharma, <laughs> Lebanon, Ohio. From Ken Sands, but not Steve Sands. Not Steve Sands. Ken Sands no. in Forest Hills in Washington. Close to here. After reading my email on Wednesday's podcast, you wonder whether I might be related to Steve Sands. I suppose it's possible we're distantly related. Ask him if he comes from a long line of pasty white Englishmen and a couple of cranky Germans. <laughs> Think King Charles. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> and from Carlton Conley. I know this is too long and will never make it past Nigel's review. But here goes anyway. I love the conversation you had with Michael Granberry and the history of the Dallas Cowboys. I was born in 1956 and I lived in Fort Worth and also went to a school where we walked to River Oak Boulevard and waved when John Kennedy's motorcade came out of Carswell Air Force Mm. Base and drove into the city. 
My father was a minor league baseball player and loved sports and became immediately a Cowboys fan in 1960. So I grew up watching the team on Sundays. At that time, there was still the blackout rule. And early on, the team didn't sell out. So we would drive to Waco, 100 miles away, eat shrimp cocktail in what I assumed was a fancy restaurant, and then watch the game from a motel room. No robes at all. Later, we had the 50-foot tower so you could pick up the broadcast from 100 miles away at the house. First game I ever went to see live in person was in the Cotton Bowl. And the last two years, I was at TCU. I played saxophone, much better than a French horn. Subtle, <laughs> not so subtle shot at Chuck Todd. In the Cowboy Band in the stadium with a hole in the roof. I cried both times they lost to Green Bay, oh. but will never forget the moments watching those games with my father who died way too early. Sorry he missed the next two generations of Cowboys. I'm buying the book. And thanks for the countless number of years I've laughed and loved your show and shows you've been on and hope you don't die soon. I still am the official TK show reporter from Belgrade, Serbia. And tell Michael it seems to rain here every day this time of year and all your fans want you to podcast seven days a week. Oh, how nice. That's beautiful. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. They all get involved, and they all got their gear already, and so they're going to be all colored up in in the maroon and black. That's it. You're an idiot.
much to bear.